Hi, I'm Stuart Huff. At night, I'm a stand-up comedian, but during the day, I spend my time roaming through junk shops that hopefully smell like mildew. I'm not looking for antiques. No, I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price, then they come home with me. This podcast is accurately named Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. So welcome to another episode, is what you call these things, of Stuart Huff Obsessive, Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. Uh, Tom Simmons, who's just discussing the app uh, possibilities with his son's ear I'm right buds. here, right here. And Do if you have questions them? that you have for the show, huff at gmail.com. No, no. Nope, you were close. Peter John Burns is to my right. Huffpodcast at gmail.com. We have a brand new email. Uh... If you have any questions or you just want to write us and say, you know, come on, <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> stop with the thing where we, you do every you time I get on my phone an ad pops up to listen to your crap and I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> you know, whatever comments you have. What was the email address again? Huff podcast. Huff H U F F. Unless my producer misspelled my last name, which is entirely possible. I wouldn't put it past him. Huff podcast at gmail.com. That's it. Send us emails. Yeah. Letters. We get letters. Or maybe you maybe you have like a favorite like junk shop that you're like, hey, if you're ever in town, you gotta check this one out. Oh yes. Do so that. that you can get you can get some more of those. Yeah. Do That'd that. Be cool. Say, hey, you know, next time you're in Paducah. Paducah, you gotta go to my cousin's barn. That's that, that's the kind of place you shop. Sure, I, I love barn is a nice place. Yeah, you gotta find a lot yeah. of stuff and good stuff in a barn. Oh yeah, some dude op opens his barn and goes fishing. You know, I'd like to duck in there a little bit. Right? Have you ever have you ever seen an American Pickers where you're like, I've been to that place? Uh, no. Amer American Pickers is a reality show where two guys are driving around to find stuff to put in their shop. Yes, I just said that for the benefit of the listeners. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have not watched. Yes. You know, I, I I don't watch a lot of television. I watch very little television actually. Uh, I've seen maybe five or six full episodes of American Pickers. Okay, how about uh, Storage Wars, which is where I've seen they're maybe on stuff two or three auctions on uh, storage spaces that have been abandoned. Yeah, I have maybe two episodes of that, maybe three. I watch very but little television was, also, but that's just because we have like twenty three inch. It's a little television. Okay. See? Come on. That's nice. Okay. See, you could, alright, next time you can send us an email at huffpodcast.gmail at gmail.com yeah. and tell us what you thought about Tom's latest joke. <laughs> yeah, we're going to little TV. Let's, let's get right back to, uh, right back to what? <laughs> What's this thing that we're talking about that's so wonderful? I did in, um, you should feel free Southern, by the way. Uh, uh, Northern Alabama. Northern Alabama, right across the Georgia line. No, 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 sorry. Right across the uh, Tennessee line. Northern Alabama, I found this little tiny podunk junk shop. Okay? okay. And I go in and it's, you know, it looks like the, I might find one or two things in here. It looks kind of interesting. Smells kind of cat pissy, which is a nice sign. Right. right. All the boxes are checked, you know. And and then I train, train just went by. I like that. And then there is a tremendous amount of records in there. I, I go towards the oh, back. Wow. And I was like, "What? This is way too many records for one junk shop this size." I mean, it was a small place. Come to find out, the woman that owned this place, her and her ex-husband, had spent pretty much the '80s 
buying out storage lockers in Nashville, Tennessee. Huh. And she said, you would be amazed how many of them in the 80s, people going over to CDs, don't want the records anymore. Just leave them. Just piles and piles of records in their storage units and whatever. So, I mean, there was some gems in that. I when mean, my dad moved to Maine from Buffalo Grove, Illinois, uh, he let, I mean, you know, it sounds like he died, but he didn't, he just left me all the vinyl cause he wasn't going to move it across the country. He's not going to move it. Yeah. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's cumbersome. You want Chieftain's albums? Well, I got Chieftain's <laughs> albums. <laughs> I didn't know they did so many albums. They number them cause they, it, cause all the songs sound the same. So they're like, well, right. it's just Chieftain's 14. We got <laughs> Right. Well, I have eight, so it's similar. Yeah. So did you know that going in from like from like whatever the review was online where you found the place or did no, you? I didn't. I was driving down the street and I'm always kind of looking, you know, I'm just driving down the street. It wasn't a major street. It was I don't know. I was driving around northern Alabama. What do you mean? You're just driving around like you just like you just get up and you're like, hey, I got to be in Nashville in two days. I'll just drive around in circles through towns. Well, minus the circle part. Yes. Um, You've talked about this before. Like you, Stuart will get off the highway and go down some garbage country road, just hoping that you'll see a sign that says, "Yeah, we got stuff." Yeah, yeah. Just you know, I'm I've got a gig in Birmingham, and I, I'm heading to Nashville, and I've got two days to get there. Plenty of time. At some point, I'm going to have to get a room, you know, a hotel room or whatever, sleep in my car. And and I'll just get off. Instead of just getting to Nashville and getting a room and killing a day doing nothing, I'll just get off the interstate and, and drive around a little bit and whatever and see something and go in. And uh, and then, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Right. What, uh, sorry. Cool. I, I'm referring to an earlier episode, which you can all listen to on iTunes if you go back to the earlier episodes. Um, but there was, didn't you find some guy who had like an insane collection of like old jazz and bluegrass albums where like he was quizzing you and determining whether oh yeah whether yeah, you were that worthy was, that was i was working uh, a comedy club in indianapolis and i just decided to take a different route than i'd ever gone before and ended up going through the smallest town i mean i there's a fire station there and a post office a diner and this guy's shop okay. there's not a gas station in this town it is a four-way stop and then you're out of town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he just has an enormous amount of records and memorabilia and stuff. And I just stumbled upon it. And he actually had plywood um, nailed up, I guess, on the side of his building thing that he had spray painted on the plywood. I have pictures of it that we'll put on the website. That's an inside joke for people that are just listening. Maybe this is your first episode. We say that all the time. And we mean to. Um, <laughs> he had spread our hearts are in the right place. We got to get some execution good around here. Yeah, just so yes. you know, I tell my wife I'm an idea machine. What I need is a follow through machine. Can we do something? <laughs> right. Yeah. This guy had spray painted on the plywood. I buy records, and I thought, what? Like this town is 50 people population, and and it's not near the interstate. And you buy? What do you mean? And if he buys records, he's got to sell records. If he has a shop. You know, so I went in and ended up meeting one of the most fascinating guys ever. And we did a whole episode about him. So you can go back and look at him. Let's talk about the inventive mind of human homo right. sapiens. And so how, this place you just see in Alabama, you're driving. How yeah, does and I'm not even that's the episode. This episode has nothing to do with that. I was just talking about storage wars 
this woman got this incredible amount of and some old amazing, vinyl stuff. Yeah. yeah, and some of it was uh, actual reels of recordings, like oh, like reel to reel tape, but not reel to reel tape. This is the masters that they actually. Tom Simmons would go in, play his. Uh, the Chieftains would go in. Why did I get fired already? I got some talent. I'm not right. Charles Manson. Tom Simmons. You got a fiddle and a tin whistle. If not, <laughs> fuck out. <laughs> This was, and they use master reels to actually record the album. Then they take the master reels, send that, and and then put it on record. You know, okay. but the master reels, she had stacks and stacks of master reels of recording. So some studio must have gone out of business, right. or or had a storage unit or something. Were any of them like a handful? I know what you're asking. What were were any of them famous? Were any yeah. of them known? T Bone Walker. Was right. was on there, T Bone. Yeah. yeah, he was probably the biggest one. Uh, there were a couple of country artists that you know that kind of maybe had a hit here, and I think there was a John Anderson one who had. He was a country musician who had a flurry of hits in the early '90s, maybe Seminole Wind. I think he had. He was also a singer for uh, the band Yes. John Anderson. Yes, I think this John had an H in his name. Okay. Yes also, third-party candidate for uh, the American presidency in 1980. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a hit either, though. <laughs> that was not a hit. <laughs> right. I'd that say was, the most was successful one was the Yes Singer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this thing out. I'm going to get this item. I found this recently. This is a new... A new obsessive curiosity. Wait, how do you say Accusi Acquisition? Acquisition. Acquisition. Yes. I'm bad with the English. Uh, I was in a peddler's mall, which is uh, in Kentucky. Uh, some dude years ago. A peddler's mall. Uh, that's exactly. what it's called. I've never heard that term either, yeah. peddler's mall. And when is I do like shows in three? Kentucky, sometimes I'll say, uh, it's nice to be in Kentucky, the only state that you can say peddler's mall. And people go, yeah, I know what you're talking so about. So what are you talking about? A guy had a brilliant idea that I wish I would have thought of that he went into like abandoned Kmarts and old, you know, Walmarts or grocery yeah. stores or something and just rented the place out or bought it or whatever he did. And then it's a mix between a junk shop and a flea market. So it's just booth after booth after booth uh, of crap. Kind of like the place we went to that we go to in Indianapolis. Yes, but not near as fancy. Okay. Yeah. This is like, you know, you'll be in one booth and there's like, you know, just a tremendous amount of like tires stacked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stacked up. That was not the noun I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just piles of, of tires that, you know, where did they come from? Don't ask questions. Use Do you new? need one or not? You know what I mean? Right. You don't need to see paperwork. These fell off a truck. That kind of thing, and the next, yeah, the they next fell booth, off, they fell off the wheels of a truck. Yes, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the next booth will be obviously some old woman's decided she's going to clean out her garage. So there's just crap. I mean, literally yard sales basically happening. Yeah, and then you'll hit one that you're like, oh, now here might be something. And so I have found stuff. And if you do find something in a peddler's mall, it's going to be cheap. You know, because it's just they're peddlers. Yeah, they're peddlers. So I'm walking through one in Louisville about three weeks ago, something like that. And I find this. I'm going to stand up and grab this. OK, so you didn't really know what a peddler's mall was. No, I didn't. OK, good. That's I, yeah, there, yeah, there's there's vast swaths of ignorance that I have. Good, good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> uh, I put this in this frame, by the way. Uh, this is just kind of hold it because it doesn't actually fit the frame. It's a little too small. Should I 
describe what this is here? Sure. Uh, okay. The the uh, it's probably not an engraving. I don't know what it is. Just a, it looks like a, a a drawing of a very large mechanical duck. Uh, it's got wings that are not. I mean, this isn't a real duck. It's got a large bell around its neck. Um, steam is coming out of two pipes that are kind of in the beginning of its body, okay? Like the bird is flying. Uh, its head has a big bell on it, and you go back a little bit where the duck's body begins, and it's got two, looks like a steamship pipes coming out, and, and steam is coming out of those. Giant wings that look like they're made out of a window screen kind of thing. Uh, and then in the back of the, there's two windows or there's a window. I'm assuming there's one on the other side. That's just my assumption, but there's a window in the back of the duck and then coming out of its butt, coming out of the back bottom of the duck is a pipe, you know, with exhaust coming out. And, um, so it's a steampunk duck. There you go. And it's flying over this river and with, you know, with ferry boats in the river. And the, and the, the writing at the bottom says the great steam duck of Louisville. 1841 uh, being a most useful and extraordinary American invention for aerial navigation by member of the LLB, which I think is Louisville literary something. Sure. Little, I, Louisville literary bureau, something crazy Louisville, like that. Uh, lithography. I think it was bassinet. literary is something. So, so this was an idea that this guy had for a, a, a flying apparatus. Let me read. Let me read what it says at the bottom. Uh, Mares. This is a name. Uh, I'm bad at at this. Let me get my glasses. Hold on. Did you just say something about it? <laughs> so I said I'm bad at this. All right. There's a name here. Uh, Hinkle Logan and Company Printers. It's a printer. Sure. of Louisville in 1841 upon order of the Louisville Literary Brass Band. That's what it stands for. First printed a concise description of this most useful and extraordinary invention for aerial navigation called by its inventor the Great Steam Duck. This machine, powered by steam, is calculated to revolutionize the art of aerial navigation and to replace all aerostats or balloons which heretofore have proved the only possible manner of conquering the atmosphere. The steam duck is 15 feet long from beak to tail and six feet in diameter. It is constructed in the form of a mallard duck, a fowl well known for its swiftness of wings. <laughs> <laughs> it is constructed of light hickory and is covered with canvas, uh, varnished and airtight. The wings have but one joint and are so constructed as to revolve with the necessary motion. A steam scape pipe passing along under the under the button, the yeah, is conducted out under the tail, and gives additional impetus to the machine in its flight. Are you going to look it up, Peter? I, I wasn't going to. I was going to look okay. at something else up. But would, okay, you want me to look up the steam puck? No, you don't have to. I've already kind of looked at it. I up. would assume you looked into that because that seems pretty interesting. Like. To the you idea. want to look at it? Yeah, yeah, I do want to look at it. Hold on. I'm going to pass it to Tom. Oh, yeah, wow. It was just, I just found the print, you know, just the piece of paper, and it was five bucks. So it sounded I, much more 
realistically able to fly before I looked at the picture. <laughs> when you look at the picture, you're like, it's not going to work. That's, that's that not going to work. It's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious to me. So I, I bought this thing, right? <laughs> and then I, I went home and started Googling. There is very little information, shockingly, about this thing. This but cockamamie I, thing that would never this work. This cockamamie thing that would never work. There's but, a shocker. <laughs> but what I have found is some damn fun stuff. Really? Yes. I was a little shocked at some of the stuff I found about this steam duck idea. So apparently there's... This is there's great. an argument. Uh, the guy in Louisville, okay, either uh, stole this idea. Let's start there. What? <laughs> Isn't this getting interesting? It's like this didn't even didn't it? Uh, hold on, but Peter, didn't it sound like? Well, maybe that could work. You know what I'm saying? There's an engine that goes through it. It's got wings. Sure. But now you look at the the drawing and it's. It looks like a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah. It looks like the kind of thing you really want someone to build. Yes. And then let's watch them try it. I wonder if Tesla could put that together. Oh, Tesla could do it. Also, it looks, the head looks almost entirely unlike a duck. Hmm. I mean, it looks like a, a pteranodon, more like the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, and by the way, uh, I think... You know how tough it is to do wordplay jokes when I'm working with this guy? First, I, I don't know what the word is. And then I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't think of That's a, one stumbling I can't block. think of a cliche involving that word. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It happens to me. It is very frustrating. It's stumped. I, th I think it's a, I, I, if I had to guess, uh, and I don't have to, but what the fuck, I guess I'm going to anyway. I think it's a lithograph. Oh, okay. Well, the, you're the paper yeah. You're our resident paper expert. Yeah. I'm just not sure. I mean, I put it, you know, silly me. I didn't bring, I didn't bring my, like my 20 power light scope. So I can't. Were there, were there oh, mock-ups made of this? And I'm kidding. Were they, <laughs> I, I, thought I, I thought I, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I gave, it was either you or Bevins. I gave the link to, I think it was Bevins. Uh, Are there mock-ups of this that were made in by any chance, like the like a miniature versions to, to uh, prove not that, that I'm prototypes? aware of? But this story gets good. Okay, we'll get to it. Let's it's, do this. Oh, are you anxious? Yes. He's, Peter's looking something up. Somebody no, wanted no, to I'm make actually, that. I'm, I'm using my phone as a magnifying glass. Oh, to see somebody if I can wanted get... to make that. Very, very well, probably. So there's some planning and some stuff that went into that. Uh, you're telling me you got into that because oh, that's interesting. I want to know. All about right, so that. let's start here. The guy in Louisville that's part of this uh, Louisville Literary Brass Band, whatever that it was, right? He either, I've read two different uh, points of view on this. He either, number one, stole this idea from a guy in New York who, who wrote uh, a pamphlet about we should invent something. Birds can fly. Why are we messing around with balloons? That's not even shaped like a bird. Let's build a bird. And, and it would be steam powered. And he wrote all this stuff about how the bird would actually, how it would work and how it would fly. Um, so either the guy in Louisville read this thing in New York, stole the idea, claimed it as his own, which he is definitely saying it's his, or this whole Louisville great steam duck was mocking the guy in New York saying, ha ha, this is ridiculous. It would never work. One of the two. Um, How do uh, we not know? Well, I, I guess there's not. I mean, literally, I found like four articles on this great steam duck. Uh, 
you know, I mean, how, there are more articles. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to find Google anything that comes up no results. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? And I had to dig to find the ones I found. So now this gets this gets interesting. You guys ready? Sure. So uh, the South Civil War is going on. All right. The South is clearly losing. Okay. They're being beat up. It's not looking good. It's and it's to the point where at least the the you know the big dudes the generals and everything they know they know this is inevitable okay we might have some troops that are still south's gonna rise right. but this is doom right so some guy pops up in a camp um and he went to several so he pops up in a camp and says um and i'm blanking on his name right now it doesn't matter what his name was but he pops up in this camp and says that he has uh the device that's going to win the war for the south the steam duck Great steam duck, baby. The great steam duck. You got that's once you have air superiority. There you go. I mean, according to Trump, there was air superiority. It was that's a true. Um, So he uh, literally held like a, you know, stood up and gave a speech and, and everybody listened. And he was there for one reason and one reason only to get, get funding funds, for the duck funding for the duck. And he described how it was going to work. There were going to be four soldiers inside the duck and there was going to be a trap door. You fly over the Yankees and you open the trap door and you throw a bunch of bombs on them. And Not eggs. <laughs> Thanks. Shaped like eggs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then you fly away and it's going to be devastation. And he had a, a figure in mind uh, that for, I want to think 10 grand per duck or something like that. And then, and then if we build 300 of them, then we could wipe out the North. And so he was there trying to get funding from yes, the, the big generals, but also the, just the troops just chip in, give me something. And so he, he invented air warfare. Well, well, uh, he did. He came up with the idea. I mean, you know, let's keep in mind that this great steam duck here is 1841. Mm. He's running around 20, 20 odd years later right. with the idea of the steam duck. Yeah. And I know enough about history to know that the Wright brothers uh, didn't get it going until was it 1903, 1901, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, another 40 years go by before right. anyone can actually get a goddamn thing to fly. And right. that for only about 30 feet. So, right. But he's this is a historical cul-de-sac. He's 30 years. I mean, the, the guy running around the, the Confederate camps is 30, 40 years before the Wright brothers. Yeah, yeah. I have this right. image of this being like a hilarious con man. There you go. Taking money from the southern troops on their way down. He's yeah. like, not only are these people ignorant, they thought they're going to win this war. Yeah. They, they think these other people aren't even human beings. And I cannot... I'm going to go get their last pennies in their most desperate times. And by the way, I don't take... That Confederate money. <laughs> this needs to be right. straight this Union bullion. Jacks, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, this is a lithograph, meaning that so you drew with a wax, wax crayon on a, a stone called huh, a lithographic stone. Okay. And then the ink, um, how put it? It's a wax crayon, so the the water the water based ink doesn't stick where the crayon is, right? Okay. So yeah, then, yeah, yeah. so you know, you draw, uh, and then you print onto the you know you put ink on the stone, print, and where the crayon isn't is your blacks, and you can get. But the sketchiness of this hmm. uh, says to me lithograph. Just so you know, is and, this a good uh, lithograph? I mean, it's fine. Um, and, you know, it's only this part, right? So they printed 
all the, the bottom, text. The, the text is printed. and then they left a hole, okay. and that's what they. That's Still. fascinating. I I like that. Um, also, here's your uh, here's your five dollar word. Okay, for this uh, ornithopter. Ornithopter. Yeah, ornithopter. Did you just make that word up? Nope. Look it up. O r n i t h o f o p t e r. You got a punch for ornithopter? Uh, no, I was thinking it. It sounds like a dinosaur helicopter. Something. You know? It's a bird. It's essentially a bird helicopter. It's any <laughs> craft that is designed to fly by flapping its wings. Really? Yep. It's an official generic name for it. Uh, and uh, they're. I mean, they don't. None of them ever worked. Right. They remind me a little bit of like the the old people jumping off the roofs. Yes, gorgeous, yeah, yeah. gorgeous yes. footage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a guy in that that series of failures, right? The of flight. There was a guy with just like looked like kind of wooden, thin wooden wings that he was just flapping like right. crazy, and he never went anywhere. Yeah. And this uh, was kind of like, you know, I mean, how put it? It's one of those things that logically makes sense, right? Bird. Flaps its wings. Mm -hmm. so if I'm sure. going to make a, something that flies, yeah. it should flap its wings. And the problem is, is that you can't get lift that way. Mm. You know, you need to be the weight of a bird with its hollow bones for wings to work. Yeah. Here's a great sentence that Peter will love. Uh, this Confederate, this guy that was going around Confederate camps, right? In one of his speeches, soldiers actually, the best article I found on the Great Steam Duck, they actually had letters from Confederate soldiers that were writing home talking about a guy who it doesn't look good for for the for us but there was a guy that came into camp today who has the winning strategy and then would go on to describe that's the, awesome the great steam duck so you agree that it was a that you're hoping or that you agree it w ended up being a guy that was a con artist trying to take them for their well that money. was yeah uh i don't know i don't know what it was but the the best article i found on it was a civil war historian right. who had collected these letters and and he says in the article that we still we do not know if this was a con artist just trying to get money um or if he was a legit quack <laughs> you know, you might have been. But by the way, sentence, I love how your laugh sounded kind of like a quack. That's nice. Yeah. The sentence I loved in one of the letters is the guy apparently said as as for whenever he was questioned about the, you know, the success of this idea. Right. Because he didn't fly into camp. Right. That would have been impressive. Right. That just walks up and no one, no human can fly. And he just walks up and says, I figured it out. Right. And here was his response. He said, I have done all the calculations. So success is inevitable. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, what a great sentence. Yes. I love the I love that whole. But the letters home, there was one letter that I read where the soldier was clearly like this idiot came in today and has this bonehead idea this this war is over we're done once we're listening to morons like this he wasn't using those words right but that's exactly the tone of the letter home all the other letters and there wasn't a lot of them but the one all the other ones were like it's a there's a chance i think that's interesting you know i think that's interesting that it's like those two perspectives of like the desperation of you're willing to sort of set aside some of your, a lot of your logic and reason and be like, there's still a chance to, to us come out and win this. And then there's that other side that's like, the other side of the mind that just is like, what, this is the sign of the end. Cause we, 
Also, this is the guy we're listening to. We're this listening is our to, best idea. We're listening to this guy. Yes. Like this who? Guy? What son of a look? Who would do that with a, like a leader or? I want to say. Well, hold on one second, Peter. Keep going, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might be a couple of listeners that haven't gotten the point of where you're driving at. <laughs> so I want to make it clear. I didn't realize you I was could going not to that possibly point. be talking about any current political situation. I, I wasn't until Are you talking you, about until, the leadership of Brazil. <laughs> yes, that's awful. They're chopping down the air what they're we doing is, in the Amazon. Yes. I'm totally with you on yes. that. Yes. Yeah, of course. There were always people that were like, "Yeah, you know, I believe this dude." I didn't realize I was. I did honestly didn't realize I was talking about right now until. Until you saw like, the smirk on my face. Yes. Until yeah. you're like, you realize what you're doing. I'm like, no. What? what? Oh, okay. <laughs> the South hasn't changed. <laughs> there were people back then that were like, we're going to fly a duck and beat the Yankees. Right. Mitch McConnell's going to be like, I'm telling you, you don't even need, you know, he's down <laughs> in Cocaine duck. Yes. Uh, I want to say 10 fucking episodes of Ken Burns documentary and this doesn't make it in. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This I want... This should be in the intro to the whole thing. This yeah. is how the South knew it was over. Yeah. They right. should show Ken Burns in a great steam duck, and then the title just comes over. Do you think that there's family members of the original steam duck creator that is like, it could still work? Like like, like, yeah. like that National Treasure movie with uh, Nicolas Cage where he's still looking for the treasure because his family's been you doing can, it. You can like he believes the, in this idea. The family right. is like, we just had never got a great break. This you, can be done. Look, you can send all the emails to huffpodcast at gmail.com, but all the uh, from you can send all the your little comments about what I'm about to say to that email address. Nicholas Cage now at this point to me is like, oh well, I don't have to see that because he's in it. You know what I mean? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I just I can skip that one. It's just a signal that I don't have to see that movie. I did not see National Treasure, but I think I saw a commercial, so I kind of saw it. Yeah, <laughs> that was all right. It was all right. And was all right. He, he was also good where he was two characters in um, yeah. in a something in the wild orchard kind of. You know what I'm talking about? Like the white orchard or the Did you, no, it was orchard. It was based on Susan Orlean's uh, book, but the name of the movie was Adaptation. Ad yes. See, occasionally IMDb. I saw that movie poster. Yes. And, and that movie, National Treasure, was, was one of his last like sort of good ones, you know? You could you could be comfortable watching um, Alcatraz and Raising Arizona. Yes, you mean, you mean The Rock. Yes, The Rock. Yeah. The one set at Alcatraz. Okay. I no. still want na, 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 na. Margaret. We felt that the war was lost, but then a man came in with a glorious plan that is turned to give us great praise. Na, 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 na. You know, <laughs> right. it is a steam duck. Quack. <laughs> John Somebody Will had to be heckle that from the back. Quack. This guy's a quack. <laughs> this guy's a quack. <laughs> um, oh, wait a minute. I, I just hit me from reading this article. Uh, the bell... The bell's the stupidest thing on that thing. Well, <laughs> Seriously, looking at that thing flying. I, I like the fact you see a duck with steam coming out of its ass, flapping its wings to achieve lift. You're like, yes. and the bell, right. this fucking bell. Well, you want to know what the bell was for? And I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. I'm not. To you, scare you, birds out of the way is like a cow catcher. No, but, but that would, that would be a good idea. Uh -huh. Keep thinking. What would the, what would the bell be for? Let people know that the bird was coming. Mm, Terror from the skies. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. Who who shoots ducks? Hunters. 
So the bell is to say, oh, wait. We're not a That's, real duck. Okay. Don't shoot us out of the don't, sky. We're, we're a 20-foot duck. Don't. We're a 20-foot duck. I tell you, Daryl, we hit that duck. We eat like kings duck. for a month. <laughs> the bell was there to make sure hunters knew not to shoot it. That's what? <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was in the article you it's read? It's in the article. I, I have it somewhere. Yes. That's hilarious. Now, you said there was three or four articles, and I feel like you've told us about three of them. Are you holding out one last article about this No, thing? that's about the story of the great steam duck but yeah i mean it, it's it's amazing to me i'm with peter how could this this is history right how could this not be involved in every civil war movie every ken burns i mean even ken burns baseball could have worked its way around to sure. this you know, <laughs> how about, why not how about one of those gods and generals movies where like someone says hang on you know martin sheen as robert e lee says hang on i think we've heard something interesting <laughs> Hold on, Stonewall. Hang on. All right. Good. So go on about this duck. <laughs> Let, let's hear more, he gentlemen. The money. About I this hope duck. he got the money. I kind of hope he did, too. I think we'd know more about it if we had got the money. When you mm. hear about the lost cause, this is not usually what comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the it lost should. cause. Well, there was, I, I've read this several times, that the, one of the biggest problems the South had, and I'm sure because the South... This whole idea that the South is the dumb part and the North is the smart part is ridiculous. But one of the problems that the South had was they would don't roll your eyes. <laughs> the Northerner just is over there. I've got yeah, the two Yankees Northerners. Oh, well, yeah. I live in North Carolina. Yeah, but you're from Atlanta. the Yanks. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they would you would sign up for the Confederacy, right? And they, as it got closer got, and closer to the end, or you got signed up for the Confederacy. It depends on you know what the color yeah. skin was. But the North's right, way right. smarter because yeah. there's a lot of stories coming out of Cleveland of when a guy was selling a duck plane to them. The union was like, you know what? That does sound Damn good. Damn idea started in New York City, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Why don't you eat a handful of raisins and think about that for a second, all right? <laughs> this is the worst paste picante sauce commercial ever. This duck is made in New York City. This New steam York City. in New York City. That steam's polluted. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, okay. But let's see. It was invented in New York City, and then he went, let's sell it to the Southerners. Okay. All right. This <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, right. He didn't go down up. to Trenton, New Jersey and go, hey, I got one for you. Yes. How about a duck? <laughs> what do you think? He didn't even have to. That's <laughs> funny. Keep hey, we going. Were, we were desperate, all right? We had made a couple of miscalculations, and it turns out we were morally wrong. And right, you, you know, miscalculations <laughs> like no Mil manufacturing base. Well, <laughs> militarily and morally, we were a little askew, and we needed a duck rescue. What do you want? But the the general principle of let's drop bombs from the sky mm -hmm. was ahead of its time. Yeah, that's this is one of the things that's interesting to me, besides the ridiculousness of it and the interesting thing that a dude would actually either seriously believe this and go and try to sell it or he's trying to get money. Either one of those is fascinating. Sure. Did they have hot air balloons at that point yet? When did those come yes, around? Yes, they had a hot air balloons. But Why they weren't, were they not dropping bombs on hot air balloons? They did. In, in but hunters shot them all down. <laughs> yeah, that is. They didn't have a bell. Yeah, no, but the, the big problem you have with a hot air balloon they is they didn't shoot it down. Well, there, there's the shooting it down, and there's also the not steering. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you, 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 you get you get a northerly wind, and you're you're dropping bombs on on Gettysburg. Right. I guess. Yeah. It seems like you would really. They would have really worked at air superiority. Like the, at some point, you, you know that you didn't really think that that was even a thing, and then all of a sudden it is. 
Did we start using them immediately to drop bombs, or was it like? Yeah, I think was it, it, it didn't where, take like, long. I mean, that's the way humans think. It's like Trump space wars or whatever he's got. You know, as soon as we get more than ten humans up there, we're ready to kill each other. I don't think it took long. Yeah. All right. That's still that's pretty innovative to think. All right. I well, like I mean, that. To be fair, uh, the first submarine was Civil War. Yes. You know, and I mean that. And it that sounds about as dumb. It, you know, I mean, yeah, it like, kind of worked, right? Like it, it didn't. It wasn't an abject failure. And if you think about it, somebody goes, "Here's an idea." Yes, I'm going to get a boat that sinks under the water. And my first thought, if I'm, you know, 1863 smartass in the back, is like, isn't the whole point of a boat not to sink? Yeah, but if we do, quack. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here's what they did: the first submarine was Alf. Charleston, right? At Charleston. I visited it. There's a museum now because they found it. Um, so there was... <laughs> Which gives you an idea of... Like, they got the sinking part. Right. The resurfacing thing is... That's the <laughs> tough part. Said, That's always the tricky part. <laughs> so far we got this, we can get under the water thing they put. I think it was four or six guys were in it. And it's a tube. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it it's looks really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's boat, it isn't. Yeah, and they literally had like pedals on a bicycle cranks, and all all of them were like cranking. You can't see anything. You're just cranking out, you know. And they at, at night, you know, under the cover of darkness, they cranked this submarine thing out to a ship, and it had a big long spear on the on the front of it with dynamite, essentially with some kind of blasting device on the end of that spear. So then they would hit that into the boat, wooden boat, hit it in. And then quickly back up real fast. You got to crank backwards as fast as you can because that thing's it's going to blow up and you and they didn't get backwards fast enough. Oh, yeah. That's what they think. And it just and they all sank to the bottom and all died. But it wasn't that long ago that they actually discovered it. Right. The, right. I remember know. reading about Could that. you yeah. how do, have you ever done have you ever done like a thought experiment of like looking at something or like a submarine mm -hmm. and trying to. You already know it exists, but whatever. Now, but you have to invent it now. Like, how would you get it? How would you make it do that? How would you get it to where you could get it down underwater and still have air? And you, you even already know that it exists. Could, could you, could you sort of invent it? I don't. I, I have never done that. That's interesting that you said that because I, <laughs> I've thought a lot of weird crap. You know what I mean? But I don't think I've ever sat and thought, how would I invent a submarine or a plane or something like that? Or a light bulb. Right. Or I don't remember ever thinking, how would I do it? I probably will now that you brought it up. Like if you were starting from scratch, how would you do this? Yeah. Knowing that it already exists. I mean, I've thought of weird crap that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Right. But something, nope. that, something that you already know that it's been proven that it could work. Right. Um. So I was looking this up because I was curious because I'm fulfilling the mission statement of the show. Yes, I like that. Uh, first aggressive use of balloons in warfare took place in 1849. Ooh. Um, now, France? Where was it? Uh, Austria. This guy mm. already had ideas after the after after balloons. Like 10 years later, he's like, let's make a steam-powered goose. Well, and actually, they start, <laughs> I, 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 there's, a, there's a key word in that sentence, which is... And why a goose? They're not even great flyers, are they? Yeah, that's weird to me. Wouldn't it be? Like, why do they go a, a duck, you know? Or, right. It's weird. But well, the ahead. mallard. 
Yeah. Well, the first aggressive use of balloons in warfare took place in 1849. Okay. They were the first been, accidental use. Well, no, because I mean, think about it this way. Because, again, the problem is drift, right? Sure. So what, balloons were used for several decades before. The Montgolfier brothers, I may not be pronouncing that right, they were like uh, end of the 18th century, like 1780-something. Okay. Um, and so... People went, uh, sorry, 1782, I just So people that. were, by that time, were already taking balloon rides and... Right. And, it, but, okay. you know, fine, you've got a balloon, you know, that you want to use for war, but there's a problem with you don't want it to go where it shouldn't. Right. So what they were used for, you know, back several decades before they were used for aggressive force, they were observation. Mm -hmm. Like drones. Can, when we first had drones, they yeah. just used them as observation. I mean, look, you can tie a you can tie a rope to the balloon, right? Yeah. And you basically, you've got it like on a rod and reel. You know, obviously much larger and blah blah blah. But that way, the balloon goes up, and you go, they're coming, right? <laughs> you can set, you know, you can send messages below, and you right. can do observation, and then, but you're not going across enemy lines. You're but just that going makes total up high. sense. Get way up high and you can see further and right. But then you then they bring <clears throat> you back down, right? You know, yeah. there's a they're gonna Dude, let's leave know. Frank up there. We get out of here. We go, hey, we're over here. And then we go out of here and then when they start coming after us, Frank bombs the shit out of them from up there in that balloon. See, so, this is innovative thinking. I mean, it's evil, but it's innovative thinking. You what know? if they cut Frank loose? Well, he'll drift back eventually. We'll find him. It's not like we're not going to see him floating around the sky. Just drop bombs on everybody on your way down and well, work, buddy. Again, you know, as we suspected, when they started using them aggressively in 1849, they had bombs with fuses, right? And they would send them down. Right. Well, you know, you're up high. There's wind. Uh, some of the bombs landed in the wrong place. Oh, yeah, so yeah, because of the wind. They went back to the drawing board. They went, all right, so maybe the bomb thing isn't so good. Okay, so the goose thing, that's looking better all of a sudden. Well, but then, <laughs> the stupid balloons, let's get the, back to the, this goose. The first, the first major scale use of balloons in the military uh, was the United States Civil War. Uh, the Union Army uh -huh. Balloon Corps. The Union Army Balloon Corps. Okay. Um, now, I mean, again, they started with maps. You know, they're like, we're going to get up high and map the terrain. Mm -hmm. um, but then they did start trying to use them. Wow. But again, like... Duck, duck, here comes the goose bomber. <laughs> right, buddy, <laughs> duck, duck. How many we got left? One, two, <laughs> duck, duck, how long were you sitting there thinking about oh, that? Uh, uh, how long has this episode been going? I'm Less, still... more? <laughs> no. <laughs> Less. Um, but again, they still had the... The Balloon Corps was disbanded in 1863 because guess what? Same goddamn problems. They were like, well, they go all over and... The, but like they, Lincoln was all... Kind of uncontrollable. Yeah. Lincoln they, was but all they in are initially. controllable. Like now, knowing now that they're controllable, how would you control the balloon? Could you invent a way to control the balloon or would you still have to... Kick them out of your, kick them out of your army. You, you, you like this idea of, I do too, actually. I like this idea. I almost brought an item for, to record this week, but I, I kind of left, I just thought, eh, maybe we'll do it next time. But I have a phone, okay? Like a, you know, plug in the wall kind of phone, right? That it's hard to describe. Um, I know what a plug in the wall phone is. No, no, no. This, the way this one is made. Okay. okay. 
<clears throat> you know what old timey phone receivers? Okay, you're holding the thing. Yeah, the thing that the part that goes into your ear. All right, picture well, you, you, you hold against your ear. You mean right? Yeah, the thing yeah. that you hold to get the part, the top of it, where you yeah, hold we had it one to of those your in ear. House, girl. Yeah. Okay, picture that standing straight up. Okay, picture that hand receiver standing straight up. Now the top is where you put that to your ear and you hear. Now the bottom of this phone is a larger. Um, it's it's bigger than uh, what you would see on a normal speaking end of the receiver, and you have to turn it. But it's one thing, and it stands up on its own. Okay, you right. follow me? Yes. It's kind of hard to describe, but so you and it has a speaker there too. So you hold this thing like a normal handheld receiver. Okay, but to dial, you turn it over, and the dial is on the bottom oh, of cool. the phone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a dial, you know, put your finger in, push it all the way, let it go. Rotary phone. Yeah. Rotary phone. Yeah. But just the design of it is, is so weird. And the only reason it's weird is because we're not used to it. Right. Right. So well, also functional. Oh yeah. I, I, it's plugged into my wall right now. You can call me. I can answer it. Right. But the part of the problem is, you know, how put it, um, you got to dial like in order to dial the thing, it's not up against your ear where you'd like it to be. Right. Which yeah. is why I think it fit. You know, most of the rotary phones you've seen, you get the handset and it's on the wall. You can hold it to your ear and see the dial at the same time. Right. This one, you have to turn it over and dial it and then put it to your ear. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that if, okay, let's say that there was 10 different designs, just shapes of phones, right? At the beginning, one of them made it and became standard. All yes. the rest are now, they disappear. So now that, it's like a car. We picture a car as four tires. And then someone comes out with a three-wheeled motorcycle car slash, and then all of a sudden, every time you see it, you're like, what is that? Oh, yeah, that's that weird yeah, motorcycle three-tire thing. You yeah. know, everything's odd until it becomes commonplace. So, like... I have a great a steam duck would be hilarious to see it flying around until you saw it, you know, for a few months. And then you you wouldn't even notice. You'd be like, yeah, it's boring. Yeah. Still, um, I'd like to do it. Be fun to do like a show like where you. You take some of these ideas and then you see like a Mythbusters where you kind of build the thing and see if it would work. Yeah, there was when I was in high school because Da Vinci drew a lot of flying machines. Right. Right. And there was a museum in in Orlando where I went my final year of high school. Right. And the museum there had carpenters and, you know, engineers come in and build some of these Da Vinci designs. You know, it's interesting about it those. It's really right? neat. I went and looked at them all. They didn't work? No, they, they most of them don't work like his idea, but some of them would have worked depending on the materials you chose to use because the light issue. You know, what's interesting yeah. about the, those the, those is when I was reading about Da Vinci, the, the biography of him, mm -hmm. the newest one or whatever, it's made me a fan. First of all, how yeah incredible that dude is and how he would be one of the great scientists that's listed in the the line of like scientist to scientist, you know, like some of the stuff he invented, they didn't, or the, some of the stuff he discovered, they didn't uh, discover again until a hundred years later. Mm -hmm. They didn't ever knew he discovered it because it was just in his notebooks, you know, like that kind of scientist. Right. But he, um, a lot of that stuff, that flying stuff part was a part of his life when he was for like a prop designer in, in for festivals and stuff. Mm. So they were parts of, 
they weren't really designed to actually fly and to be those things. They were designed as like things to be used in the sets of the fictions they were writing. So they worked really? as those things and as the props, you know, and they, mm -hmm. the fact that they could have flown if they had blah, 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 all that kind of stuff was just by his attention to detail to, in his own right, mind. Like the way he drew it. the human body in what, when, after dissecting bodies and knowing where the muscles and all. Yeah. And then, and that affects the way that if you're going to draw an arm and you know all the bones and the muscle and the ligament, then you know more of how it's actually shaped. How it looks. Yeah. That's right. part of like all that work because of that, the Mona Lisa smile stands out so much because it seems so, it's such a real expression, you know, mm -hmm. and it's all the it's muscles all the, the way. Time, yeah. And not only for just for the time, but all the muscles, all the, he, he did so much dissecting and studying of the muscle and what made this muscle move and where'd it come from in the brain and like all that, like that kind of study. And that all went into, like if he drew so, a picture that ends up with the thing with clothes, he didn't start with the outfit and then to kind of draw the hands. Like it's like he would draw from the inside out the mm -hmm. muscles and then put the skin over it. And the, the, you know, right. But just the knowledge I and mean, we're going to do an episode on grave digging, by the way. Okay. Yeah. I have a book for you uh, Ooh. based on you, you, some of your interests. You found a book on the great steam duck of Louisville. I found a book on uh, what you're talking about in terms of object design. Okay. Uh, it's called the evolution of useful things. And it's by a guy named Henry Petroski. I had to look it up. And basically, uh, precisely what you're talking about, where they're competing designs mm -hmm. and one wins. And he had basically, it's a book of how certain things did evolve. Like, do most of them win out because of functionality or because of marketing? I mean, there's probably a couple that it evolve or, you know, that, that win out due to marketing, but it's a lot more common with a lot of these objects that this this design won because it worked better. Right, because, yes. Yeah, so. you know, and he does things like forks, you know. Right, um, three or four prongs. Yeah, well, he started with, it was started with two, well, actually, it really started medieval, you had a knife, and you just poked stuff with the knife and stuck it in your mouth. Mm -hmm. You could probably figure out how that didn't, that had drawbacks. Right. Well, yeah, I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, and then forks like had two tines, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like you see for a carving. You and notice then, how I said prongs, he said tines. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is the difference. Uh, you not know what I mean? It's a legitimate education and, you know, what I've done. The hillbilly. <laughs> well, <laughs> the hillbilly education. I mean, prongs is probably just as useful as I mean, tines, are, are, I think of them more as a pitchfork. So At I'm least I wrong. didn't say that sticky part. Right. Um, the and pokey the, part. And then oh, you went to three. Tongues. Two you know, and three yeah. tines. Because, yes. you know, three, three is more stable than two. You know, uh, you know. And But you, you forks evolved over the years. And mm -hmm. we finally got to something where like, well, this is good enough, you know. That's enough. I think it's Seinfeld's paper about the Chinese still using the, still using the chopstick. And he's like, they've seen the fork. They've seen the spoon. <laughs> what are they doing? Um, it's not like they're in unknown quantities. Paper clips. Bunch of different designs. But we eventually ended up with, huh? Um, didn't tear the papers much. But you had I, to divide, you had to de design that curve yeah. idea because there were a lot that were more pointy, and they ripped your paper. Well, they sucked. That curve one one, huh. and you can make it out of a single piece of wire. See, this is the kind of like I actually would have thought. 
I would, if you asked me to guess, I would have guessed the other way. I would have guessed that marketing was driving these things more than usefulness because I would hope it would be usefulness, but it's, you know, Edison, Tesla, right? Right. It's like marketing wins. It, it always has, you know, how good are you at pushing the product and blah, 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 blah. So I have a paperclip, you have a paperclip. The world I want to live in, which I, I guess in this case I do, would say, well, which one is a better design? But I would think that, you know, you're better at marketing than I am, so you would get your product out and widespread more. Well, eventually what ha- – I mean, the thing is if it's uh, – I mean, Edison Tesla is sort of a weird case because there's so much infrastructure involved, mm-hmm. right? And usually with these household objects – um. V- and put it it's easier to compete right you know when it was direct versus alternating current you were asking cities to make huge expensive choices right and that's probably more susceptible to corruption and marketing well if somebody came up with a better paperclip right now it would take a long time for people to start switching because they're used to the other one they're not going to suddenly be like oh there's a better one let me try that i think most people are just going to stick to what they've already been using i I don't know. I mean, uh, see, like, or let's say the evolutions might be uh, uh, smaller in a sense, but, uh, you know, they started coating paper clips in plastic within our lifetimes, right? You know, they're the metal ones, right? You know, right. Your dad had that cool thing with the uh, magnet ring on the inside where the paper clips would stick to it, right? So, you know, that is cool. I remember that. Do yeah. you have any of those? Probably, but, uh, you know, None that I bought in junk shops, but I don't use that anymore. And why don't I? I have, um, I can even picture it in my mind. I have a corner of a piece of neat furniture thing where I keep my paper clips and they're all spread around there. Why don't I have that metal ring anymore? With a magnet. Yeah. They were cool to play with when you're a kid. You're going to buy one now when you see one at a shop. More than likely. But, you know, then they started coating them in plastic. Mm -hmm. And part of that was, you know, sure, marketing because you can make them pretty colors, but also... The plastic was a little smoother to get on the paper. Um, and yeah, now my guess honest, would be pretty colors is the reason that people bought those instead of just they're they're easier to get on the paper. But, but maybe I'm being pessimistic. Well, also, you know, I think to some extent, I'll put it, I don't use, and maybe this is just personal, but, you know, that loop of wire paper clip, I don't use those anymore. I use binder clips. You, you know, can't pick a lock with a plastic Paper, paper clip. Have you ever picked a lock with a paper Dude, clip? You don't know what I'm doing on my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> I got houses to get Come on. Into. Have you ever have you ever picked a lock, period? You ever picked a lock with a credit card? Yes. Really? Yes. Was it like you lost your keys, you're trying to get back in your house? I don't remember or exactly. Or was it like on no, the no. news? No, it wasn't on the news. I okay. didn't get caught. No, what he did was oh. he lo- got himself locked out, called the locksmith, handed him the credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Yeah, I think if you're a locksmith, you should have to tell the people in your neighborhood, like a like a sex offender. You know what I mean? Like you have a you have a you have the ability to get into people's homes because you you know. I, how about this? How about we put a giant bell around your neck right. and you have steam coming out? You have of to your duck choose ass. between good and evil when you're a lot when you're a locksmith. I think that's a great idea. Locksmiths, you're now going to have to register. And you're going to have to go door to door and tell us you've moved into the neighborhood. We know where to look when somebody's broken in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. 
Well, you apply for a locksmith job. You show no, no, up, he look, shows if, up at nine in the morning for the interview. He's like, what are you doing in here? My office. How'd you get in here? When do I start? Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how do you know if a locksmith's broken into your house? If he's a good locksmith, you exactly. have no idea. Exactly. Yeah, he probably left a business card. So, yes, I have. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> if you installed a better lock, I yes. wouldn't have been here. <laughs> so, yes, I have done the, once I figured out you can do the credit card and the thing and the shim, sh- yeah. shimmy it through there. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't remember all the circumstances. It's probably getting in and out of my own house. Probably kind yeah. of thing, you know, Lock or somebody else's out. house. You know, he's yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've still tried it, obviously, in other, when I see like a. When I, I still have a hard time. Like if I see that crack in the door where it's got that, that room, I'll be like, I wonder if my thing would work. You know, so, so I'll do that sometimes. Like I use my Delta card Maybe or something. you something. should register wherever you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need to see your schedule yeah, so we I'm know. If I'm neighbor's Dude. house, I see the gap. I'm yeah, like, yeah, let me on. see if I can come in. Give it a shot. If you haven't figured out, like, I, that's, you don't know the credit card one. You're, it might as well not even lock your door. I mean. <laughs> See, so I'm, I'm doing you a favor. The, this is the point of view of a criminal. Right. It wasn't me. They don't even have. I mean, there's a gap. You know, there's right. a two centimeter gap between the the molding and the edge of the door. It was screaming. Come on in and take whatever you want. Right. I think I've just, will a credit card work going up into a window too and sliding in the movies up? they do it all the time and it yeah it's, it's also like I how know? everyone in the movies can hotwire a car I don't know anybody that can hotwire a car but right. apparently it's a common skill in the movies I think past 1980 it it gets a lot harder to hotwire cars but I used to buy cars. Uh, from this guy, he, he would, and his. Re- I used to buy cars from this repo man. Right, they, they, none of them had keys. <laughs> right, one of was this a guy, screwdriver just stuck in the side. Uh, there was this guy that used to like people. There would be a junk car. He'd go to auctions, right, and there'd be some junk, some really crappy car that they were going to crush for the metal, and he'd buy it for two hundred bucks or whatever. And he's a very good mechanic, so he'd fix whatever was wrong and then flip it for three hundred. Just make a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, okay. whatever. And for a while I would buy a car from him for, I think the most I ever spent with him was like $400 and the car would run for 11 months and then it would just quit running and that's the end of it. And you know, would you just leave it wherever that was. I, I gave one to a homeless guy, 1976 Buick LeSabre that I nicknamed the professor, beautiful vehicle <laughs> and more comfortable than any couch you've ever slept on. I mean, the back seat was enormous. It was almost like a, it, I mean, that car was so big, it had a den, you know what right. I mean? It was nice. And, um, he, <laughs> it ran out of gas. The transmission started slipping. I couldn't go, uh, in reverse. So I had to park it. Every time I parked, I had to make sure I could just go forward. It wouldn't go in reverse. Right. I got stuck at uh, Kmart one time for about three hours because the idiot wouldn't come out and move their damn car. But anyway, and then <laughs> he was at, putting in overtime, but it turned out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At a gas station one time, I, you know, I tried to put it in forward. And it just that was the end of that. You know, cars not transmission is dead. It's not going front forward or backwards. And there was a homeless guy that I just finished talking to. And I walked up and I just said, now you said you just finished talking to as opposed to Tom, who would give him a talking to. <laughs> right. Yes. Tom would no, school no. him after he uh, gave him large no, amounts of money. I would have talked to him. I was, you know, my wife used to do that. And she'd be like, come out in, in Vegas. And I was sitting alongside the Riviera, just talking to some homeless guy. Just sometimes I, you what know, brought you to this sorry fate, sir. I, 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 I look people in the eye and say hello. Like sometimes yeah. before yeah. I, before I realized that meant you're going to talk to me. Yeah, I used to oh, be like, yeah, oh, okay. hey, how you doing? And then next thing you know, I'd be in it. That's I'd now be you're in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sitting next to a homeless guy for 30 minutes. Tell me about his yeah. life. Yeah, that was on you. Yeah, 
Like yeah. it was the worst thing that happened. I had to talk to a homeless guy. <laughs> no, today. I liked it. It was, it was the most agonizing 12 minutes my of my life. My wife would be like, I never I know. I always liked it too. I love talking to, to people, especially when they say amazing stuff about thinking, Oregon. Yeah, right. I'm not talking even about homeless person. I'm just thinking Tom talking to like, I don't know. You know, anyone. Like, yeah. yeah, I would have been like, I, like I walked period. by that guy, yeah. and he'd have been like, you got a dollar? And I'm like, do you see my car? Like, you're asking me for money? You're lucky yeah. I don't ask you for money. And then, so you meet this guy, you're talking to him. Yeah, I was talking to the guy out of outside the gas station, and then I tried to drive away, and it wouldn't go. So I just got back out of the car and went up and just said, you want that car? It doesn't run, but, you know, and he goes, are you serious? And yeah, so I helped him push it to a lot we pushed it like a block or two down from the gas station it was just a field and we pushed it into the field and he put curtains up in the window lived in that thing as long as i lived in that house which was around the corner from that place you know he lived in it you know that's great how much time yeah. uh, did you pull all your stuff out and have like a bag with you or anything or yeah, you- i just walked home i mean it wasn't that far and then i would call my buddy and say you got another car hey, yeah i got one come on by and i would get another one for 300 bucks you know but he could hotwire cars well, sure. I mean, yeah, he sounds like dude. he could do pretty much anything. Yeah. But that dude, everything he ever got was like 1972, 19. It was all, he wasn't dealing with any vehicle. Wasn't dealing with any ignition locks or. Right. Yeah. None of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, the, probably the greatest cars I've ever driven, but they were all. They all, they all had a transmission on the, on the steering wheel. Not, yeah. You know, on the I had a, um, after that Buick Sabre, I had a 1978 Toyota Corolla, something like It was one of the first ones ever built. And I, at the time, I did not know how to drive a stick shift at all, but I drove that thing because it wasn't really a st- I mean, there were three speeds, but you could start it and just go. Right. You know what I mean? It was so, and oil would burn so, the, there was a hole in the floorboard and the oil would, it would, that car burned oil like crazy and black smoke would come into the car. So one of my favorite things to do is I would drive around with all the windows up and fill that car up with black smoke and then just pull up to a bus stop and roll the window down and go, you guys know where the auto zone is? Nuh-uh. I swear. It was just fun. Me and my buddy Dave used to do that. <laughs> and we drove that. It was all oh, that car my first great. car. My first car in college was a 1976 Toyota Corolla. Really? Yeah, it was burnt orange. Mine was solid. Well, it originally was white. Now it was like off-white, nasty looking. Sure. I love those little, those tiny little, it was tiny, right? Those tiny little cars. Tiny, yeah, it was stick shift. And uh, I had like a two, uh, a two part gag that was, I had, I pulled several times, not necessarily intentionally, but I knew how this physical comedy was going to work. <laughs> the, the, the stick, you know, the, the little stick that you used to turn the windshield wipers on. Yeah, tiny. Yeah, well, it, it broke off and it was mm. in the glove compartment, mm-hmm. but it was LA, it didn't rain that much. Uh, and also the hinge on the glove compartment, you know, which was just like plastic that bent, right? Okay. Yeah, it had bent too many times. And so the hinge was not, it was two pieces. Okay. But it was the glove compartment door was held on by, you know, the lock, right? So it start raining and I turn to my passenger and I go, can you get me the stick? It's in the glove compartment, so I can turn on the windshield wipers. And the guy would turn the knob, and the door would fall in his lap. Mm-hmm. And he'd look at me, and go, mm. and then he would hand me the stick. I'd jam it into the steering column, turn on the wipers, hand it back to him. How much fun is that? Yes. That's so much better than a rear-view camera. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Yeah. That's amazing, the I fun. I like the rear-view camera. I've grown into liking it. I didn't Have used you? to like it at first, and now I'm like... I'm digging that. Yeah. I like it better than turning around and looking back and I've gotten used to it.
You think human beings will ever stop that curious invention of great steam duck rear view camera? How do I design a better phone with a measuring tape involved? And it's one of my favorite things about humans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know it's tool to you know, like functional, but it's also there's an art and a curiosity factor to it. Like, you know, we can't we can't, you know, swim underwater without breathing. Well, what do you mean we can't? Right. We, How do I make this more I know efficient? I can't. Right. right. You know what I mean? We can't fly. What do you mean? We, we have this attitude like we can do anything we want to. You know, and we just eventually do it. And I just. Uh, you I don't know. like the word can't either. I don't. I didn't yeah, like it with like, my son. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let him say can't. It was a bad word when he was little. Really? Yeah. I like can that. do that. You don't say you can't do something. You're just, you're not going to. You won't do it, or you're you right. can. Or you haven't figured it out yet. Yes. Now so by was, saying can't, you make it so you can't. Like that's you stop that. Now to be fair, he's had to perform CPR on him three times from drowning. Right. He's like, <laughs> well. <laughs> Dad, I can't swim across the lake. Don't say can't. <laughs> Don't just, say can't. You didn't. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. But does that I'll give you an you idea didn't. about a submarine? <laughs> you got that sinking part down, just like the early submarine. <laughs> this has been a fun episode. I'm glad you guys uh, tuned in to listen. Uh, fascinating stuff. If you know anything about this great steam duck, I'm interested. I am too. And if so they do have more. anything about the steam duck... Mm-hmm. How would they get in contact with you, Stuart Huff? Huff Podcasts, Huff Podcast at gmail.com. Got it in one. Well, Send two. me a link. Tell me what you know. Thanks for listening. Who listens to the end? I don't understand. I mean, what's. Really, why am I still talking? It's all right. Uh, this is, I guess, the small print of the podcast. Is that what it is? Is that when the, you pull out the glasses that you have to kind of slide down the nose and read the bottom of the bottle kind of thing? Uh, it was so called produced by Matt Holt. I don't know what he did, but there was something he wants his name on here. Uh, intro music is real Greg Brown. I picked it because I love Greg Brown and I was hoping someone would listen to this podcast and go, what was that music? I want to find out what that is. Go listen to Greg Brown. Outro music was sweet, sweet. Uh, you know, rate and review, you know, whatever. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I think that's a button that you push. It's kind of like liking something. Or You know what annoys me is when I send someone a text and then I get a message back that says so-and-so liked your text. Don't do that to me. Don't do, don't answer my text or answer me, but don't like my, uh, tell a friend about this podcast or don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, and thanks for listening. This has been a Perfecta Podcast Network production. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities Perfecta Podcast Network production. Say that 11 times and, and try to enjoy life. I've been learning, making it on my own. Well, my mind is turning, thinking of how I've gone from a heartbeat to the beat of a heart finding its way back home.